Welcome to the Meeple Syrup After Show. Designers discussing design. We're episode 89. Nerds of a feather. We just got to hang out with J.R. Honeycutt and Steven Sauer. Two good friends of ours. And talk about gaming communities. I and thought you were going to say two really big nerds. Two really big nerds. that <laughs> Who have you know, feathers. Have feathers and stick together. Yeah. Uh, but a great show. And a topic that uh, I think all of us. Uh, care about and it's kind of dear to our heart so mm -hmm. i'm sure we won't have trouble filling 30 minutes or so of uh tips and suggestions and experiences from playtesting um who wants to start anyone got some thoughts or things they want to share i mean i wrote down i didn't take as many notes today because i haven't sure. had coffee yet but um yeah so I in the future write... you need your coffee do don't, you have like, don't you have like a like a, a little cooler of Stumptown cold brew like just right? Oh, well, I gave up caffeine for a little while, and mm. um, I haven't gotten back to my Stumptown cold brew, but I need to. Is what <laughs> I got hooked I on that when I visited it. Tiffany, and now I can honestly say there is a, a means of coffee that I like. Yeah, yeah Stumptown like chocolate milk. Much at all, but that's the secret. Good. Yeah. Um, but the quote that I wrote down was from JR, and I might have reworded it not exactly how he said it, but it was basically give twice of what you get back. Uh, and that was in regards to playtests. Um, yeah. And that was a thing that was coming up quite a bit in the chat, actually, where they were talking a lot about not a computer asked a question in regards to the expectations in playtesting other people's games when you've brought your own and stuff like that. And that it's kind of this thread that's continued and it, and Steven mentioned it really well. He was like, it's kind of this unspoken rule or maybe it was Zen in the chat that it's this unspoken rule that a lot of new designers don't necessarily get that if you go to one of these design things and you have your game play tested, it's kind of expected that you're going to stick around at least to play one other person's game. At least. Yeah. And if you can't, I've totally been in situations where time is very limited or something runs over or something like that and it doesn't happen, but like the expectation needs to be set before you sit down and play test. So if you if you only have an hour at this event, you can only stay for an hour. Before you get a group of people in to play your game, just be like, hey guys, I only have an hour, so I won't be able to stick around mm -hmm. after this, but would you mind playtesting my game really quick and then I have to leave and I feel really bad, but like... Maybe like, come uh, to the next event and don't bring mm -hmm. a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. There, so, there are many, many times, many times when you can get that... Like JR called it, build up some social currency, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, social currency is a big thing in this community because it is extremely small. Everybody knows everybody. It um, it goes it goes a long way too. I mean, I think it's. I honestly, I for example, the Snakes and Lattes nights, and and really public designer nights in general. I almost feel like, for the most part, if I get one game in every two or three events, that's a bonus because. I've enjoyed the benefits of having my games early on played more. Now, yeah. if I travel really far, like, so for instance, if Sen's going to travel all the way from London to Toronto, I mean, it would be nice that someone will play a game or two of his because he's traveled so far. But like myself or Toronto people going to the Snakes Nights, you should probably actually even have the mentality because really you're only getting two, three games to the table and you're playing in groups of four or five sometimes, just maybe it's every other month, or maybe it's, you know, like, this is the, the, the month that I give 
all play testing and then other weeks bring your game and you know sometimes push to have it played early sometimes be willing to stay late to play your game you know like yeah i i think you got to be flexible and you have to have realistic expectations and if you lean on being generous overall it's going to work out it'll come back you'll get repaid in kind over an abundance of of things I mean, uh, Jay, I know Jay gets kind of mad when I don't play test games uh, or get few, very few play tests in and I might play test somebody else's. Um, but I mean, there's, there's definitely agendas and things like that, or it's a new designer and I really want them to come back. You know, yep. so it's like, hey, I'll, I, or I want to, um, you know, maybe give somebody who's not a good play tester an idea sure. of what being a good play tester is about. And so mm -hmm. I'll play test their game instead of getting one of my own game plays one of my own games play tested. Also, there's a bunch of things in terms of you know production cycle and agendas with some of us yeah. who who you know have publication cycles where we need to have stuff play tested. In that case, I mean there's some some credibility there that people will say, Oh, that's getting published. We'll we'll play that because that sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also the kind of thing where if you are going to leave after you play your game, just just be open and say, hey, next time I'll play your game, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, give people your card so that they can contact you to play your game or play their game later or something like that. I think there's a lot to be said about, like Tiffany said, this is a small community. And if it's local, it's even smaller. Yeah. And you can work yourself out of being accepted um, in a community if you are not listening to social cues or agreeing to social cues and i know that it's unwritten rules so a lot of it's unwritten um and there was a time i think actually for the the first couple of months when snakes nights were starting yeah. I actually i actually did a written rules yep uh, yeah there were different phases where we tried written rules and stuff like yeah. that and it wasn't really here are the rules and you must follow them it's more like these are some of the suggestions i have for you guys because yeah. it, it was literally people coming in setting up their table and then as soon as the game was done saying great gotta go yeah. And, or or bouncing uh, from table to table with like their like party game that they're gonna you know they're not even open to suggestions they're just basically advertising by forcing yeah. their game to be play tested multiple times before they go yeah and so i mean recognizing why you're at a play test night or that a play test night is not a marketing event really uh is another good thing to know about play testing i did a, i actually just did a whole talk on play testing at forest city comic-con um, you know, how to be, how, what to expect when you're actually running a playtest and how to take the data and, and think about the, the playtest data. But I think a lot of it goes back on, you know, being a good playtester as well. Like, if you are going to spend your time playing somebody's game, there has to be this sort of mutual agreement that you are going to give good feedback and I, as the person who designed the game, am going to be gracious, receptive, all those nice things, right? So... Let's talk about let's talk about both sides of the coin right now, Daryl uh, and Tiff. What do you think is what's one hint that you would give to uh, as a play tester, Tiffany? What do you try to do? Because you're a really good play tester. Oh, thank you. Also, I'm a really horrible listener. Sorry, I made the mistake of switching over to election news stuff. I'm so full. <laughs> not, not yet. So not yet. I'm so distracted. Trump just filed an electronic lawsuit in Nevada, and I'm just like, oh my god, what? Uh, just, just don't worry. Worst case, you move to Canada. 
You're, you're oh. only a few hours from the border, Tiff. You can just pop up. Yeah, I'll case, just, we'll just move up to Paul Dean. Here. It'll be fine. It'll be It'll be awesome. Awesome. It'll he be loves awesome. talks. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, here I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in while Tiffany processes the craziness. I'm just not Trump. gonna. I'm just gonna close Twitter. I'm closing yeah. the Twitter tab. Then just give yourself <laughs> appropriate windows and appropriate breaks. Yeah. Uh, today, this is a tip for everyone. You know, take your time. Don't worry. Hopefully, it'll all work out. And worst case, just move to Canada. But uh, for me, I an important thing that I'm learning and uh, uh, that I appreciate that I've seen other people do well, uh, Stephen talked a little bit about it, is not necessarily playtesting a whole game. I, I've, I'm learning the mm -hmm. art, and I think it's really important that I really hope actually a lot of people will do more of this. But test what you're working on and don't feel like you have to test everything in a session. So for instance, you are... Um, you really want to test uh, to the end of your game? Well, guess what? Start everyone halfway through the game. Mm -hmm. like, don't start the game at the beginning. It might even be really cool that if you start there, people by the end go, oh, how does it start? Like, Leave some curiosity out there. <laughs> test, test what you need to test, but you don't need to test everything all the time. Always Maybe leave them wanting more. Leave people wanting more. So I, I'm finding it's really useful and it's really respectful of people's time if, for instance, you start a game mid-game and you don't yeah. you say, hey, you're winning, you're losing, here's your pieces, they're all here, this is how you play, let's just go from here. Yeah. Vice versa, you could start a game. Say you're working on your start and you're struggling with it, but don't feel like you have to finish the game. Get a few rounds in, say, hey, does everyone kind of got a feel for it that you got you know, some comments, let's stop now and let's just, I'd rather spend five more minutes hearing from you than playing five more minutes. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing, as a playtester, when you go to these events, expect that you're not maybe gonna play that much actually. Like you're gonna play a little bit and depending on what the designer, the designers that you work with, what they're looking for, you might end up playing a super involved game and maybe they don't want you to talk to them at all. Maybe they want a blind play test and they just want to be this like creepy shadow in the corner just watching you do things, right? Like, oh, uh, yeah, and maybe, maybe they want it to be more involved, like Daryl was saying. Maybe they want to start you halfway through the game. Maybe they want to make you only play like this one round and then they're going to talk to you about it for 40 minutes. Like, don't go in expecting to play the latest and greatest hotness. Don't go in and be like, Oh, well, I heard that so-and-so went to a playtest event and they playtested, like, what turned out to be the latest hotness from Essen, and I want that experience, too, so I'm going to go to this event. Like, don't expect that, because that is so extremely rare, first of all. And second of all, that doesn't help the designers at all to go in with that mentality that you're going to be playing greatness, and if you don't end up playing something that, like, blows your socks off, or if you don't end up getting to play a ton, you're just going to be disappointed. Like, that's not the point of these events. No. You're you're actually more likely to play a broken game, mm -hmm. like a completely utterly broken game. Yeah. Um, and on that note, as as a playtester, don't be afraid to. And I mean, saying a game's broken without having backup is not good form. Oh, it's horrible! Hey, don't say don't why. Do yeah, but do say, hey, you know what? I think I've played enough to make good comments. Yeah. Is it okay if we stop now? Because you're not actually there to win the game. No. You don't actually I mean, want I, to see the game to fruition. Yeah, you totally are. You're not always there to see the game to its finishing point, necessarily. If if it's really hot on your mind and the feedback should come now, 
instant feedback with the example that, you know, here it's actually on the table. See this setup? This setup will lead to this degenerative whatever, 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 right? That yeah. may be a reason to stop right now. Another reason to stop right now is when you notice that the whole table is disengaged. Mm -hmm. uh, if everybody's poking on their cell phones, <laughs> stop. As that's as that's as a place tester and as a as a designer. If people are, you know, looking really engaged and want to play more, and you as a designer want them to stop, that's actually a question you should ask them. You should say, hey, you know what? I think you guys have played a great amount. I would love your feedback now, but if you really want to finish, because it looks like you're engaged, we can totally do that. Mm -hmm. um, you have to give them some agency in the decision-making process about their game because you don't want them leaving with the feeling like, oh, this is, I, I really wanted to actually see the end of that game. Daryl, you got something to add? Well, I just, I, a couple things that, to add to that, that um, if you have something that you really want to say and it's not that time to say it, Write it down because oh, yeah. that's that's another oh, thing. Yeah. Is like throughout the time, designers want to hear those ideas, and unfortunately, sometimes the discussion time is only at the end, and you forget those things that that you noticed or you were thinking about throughout the game. So don't be afraid. Write it down so that you have quality stuff to discuss. Because traditionally, people will stop and discuss at the end. The other Wait, thing. Actually, oh, oh, on that note, I've oh. actually taken pictures because I mean I do have yes. my phone. Now. So I'll take a picture of the board in the moment of the thing that I want to later go back and discuss. That's a great idea. I've never so, ever thought of that. That's awesome. Just like tell them that that's what you're doing so that yeah. they don't think that you're like trying to load Steal it on Instagram idea. or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, and, and pr along those lines, which is my second thing, uh, Matt, I heard this from Matt Leacock, but he, vi he video records uh, his play tests uh, and even blind play tests has them video record them and then watches them sometimes in fast forward, but just to see the flow of play and engagement and all those things. And that is one of the things that I, that I find really important is watching people's body language. I mean, send use this perfect example of, you know, when everyone's on their phones, the disengagement, but even pay attention on a person's turn. How much are they thinking? How much are they leaning in? How much are they excited? How much, you know, what, and, and depending on what kind of game you're making, you want different things. So for instance, right. um, I, I remember trying to make a trick taking game and it was, and there was two phases to the game. And one of the phases, everyone was leaned back and just playing cards casually, like if you're at like the cottage or something. And I was like, yay. But then the second half, everyone was leaned in and it, I realized I had people kind of like leaning in and out throughout the game. People were like, kind of like having this experience that wasn't natural. You know, you mm. often when you're playing a card game, you actually want people either to lean back and just kind of play casually and have fun that way. Or you want, you know, a game where people are all leaned in and they're quick turns and you're engaged, but you also need release valves and all these kind of things to keep the flow of play not too intense. So pay attention to the body language on a player's turn, pay attention to the table, you know, all those kind of things are really quick ways that you as a designer can assess and evaluate the flow of play. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I thought you had something to add. No, I was just really agreeing with all of that. Okay, cool. That um, was mostly just, oh, yeah. this is what I thought you wanted to add. So uh, questions from the oh, chat. Yes, go sorry. Ahead. No, go so ahead. the question in the chat was um, not a, uh, was it not a computer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so not a computer. When you run a play test with new people, do you ask for specific types of feedback? Mm. 
Good question. So, yes. Yeah, Sen has some great questions that he asks players. So, why don't you yeah, share some so, of them? So, um, I ask for very specific feedback. I, well, it starts general, but then I whittle it down. So, I, I really... I really try to try to focus on the area of concern that I have. So, like uh, Jr. and Stephen were talking about in the in the uh, main show, if you haven't watched it, watch it. The idea of setting up the playtest for success means setting the stage and saying things like, "Okay, today we're going to be looking at you know <clears throat> resource allocation. Are the resources enough for whatever we're trying to do? Or you know, we're going to look at card balance." is you know keep it in your head is there anything on these cards that you're finding overpowered or tricky wording or things like that but i think what daryl's getting to is my magic question so my magic question is this um because sometimes people don't know and that's another thing that not a computer said he said or i'm not sure if not a computer is a guy or a girl but whatever not a not a computer person. Not a person. yes not a computer is, is not a computer and is asking excellent questions for a computer. That's pretty good. Um, but the magic question is this. For people who don't know what their feedback actually is, mm -hmm. allow them to have some space and actually think. That's one key point. But I asked them a guiding question, which would be something really vague. Like, it sounds vague, but there's actually real purpose in it. It's, uh, if you were to play this game again, and something has had changed that made it better, even just five percent better for you. What would that thing be, right? Mm, and that this is, is a magic question. question. That's the magic question because it's like saying what magically changed overnight uh, that made this better for you. And you'd be amazed at how deep you can get with that question if you're good at asking questions and and responding to feedback and kind of digging it out. Right. Uh, so when somebody says, "Yeah, you know what." What would make it better is if it was shorter. It, it just took too long. And then you go with that. You, you pull on that thread a little bit and say, hey, okay, so you're saying it was too long. What, which, which part of the game was too long? And they'll get deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole until you actually get to the crux of what their issue is. And then you paraphrase it back to them. And you, you say, okay, so uh, I'm just going to re re return or reply or paraphrase what you said to me. So you're saying you felt the game was too long and the areas that you felt were too long were the uh, initial startup and then combat phases. Am I getting you right? And you're writing this all down because you're an active listener, right? So you're actually putting effort and respect into what the person's saying. And then you write that down and they might correct you say, no, 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 not the combat phase specifically, but really just the calculation of all the damage. Oh, okay. So damage calculation was, was time consuming. I get that. Okay. I've heard that before. Thanks very much for your feedback. And so you respect their feedback, you listen to them and you actually try to dig it out of them because a lot of people are not good at giving feedback. They'll say that game was awesome. Or yeah. say, that game sucked and the polarity between awesome and sucked there's a whole range of gray that you can work with but at either end there's not a lot you can do because you don't know what sucks and what doesn't and so your job as the play testing leader or the designer of the game is to actually ask good questions it's 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 also important like from Sen's example, when people react with it sucks or it's great, to try to keep questions as much as possible to things that are measurable, that are specific. So for instance, one game can suck for one person and then that exact same experience can be great for another. Yeah. So you need to get to specifics like, I think it like, for instance, if it's a deck builder and the person like myself says it sucks, it might be important to know. I think all deck builders suck. So 
uh, that might be useful information. So for instance, you might want to go through and have specific questions like, so what did you think about this element of the game? And what do you traditionally think about games like that or things when you're pushing through so at least the data actually has context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing, um, this is what I just want to ask you guys. There's because there was something where where Zen you were like, yeah, I've heard that before on a piece of feedback. Like, mm -hmm. have you honestly, because I have I've done a lot of playtesting and I'll I sometimes I wonder if they've heard the feedback before and like or they'll say like or the designer will be like yeah, I've heard that before. Like, make me feel better about giving that feedback. And then sometimes they'll say, like, oh, I've never heard that before. But the tone mm -hmm. makes me wonder if maybe they have heard it, like, six billion times, and they want to make <laughs> me feel better about giving it. So now uh, I'm like, I wonder, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, I, I'm pretty honest. I, I'm pretty open open book with feedback. So um, I'm used to getting it and used to giving it. And it's it's sort of a natural process. Uh, so yeah, if I say that I've heard it before, I have heard it before, and maybe it's something that I'm looking for validation from another point, another data point, say, okay, now I've heard it twice or three times, now I can make a change. Yeah. Um, so I, I really analyze trends. Yeah, trends are important. More than sticking to one piece of data and saying, oh, that one person said it, I should go do it, even if that one person is Bruno Fiduti or Bruno Cathala, yeah. or even both the Brunos. If both the Brunos told me to do something, I'd be more likely to do it than just one Bruno. Yeah. It's got the two Bruno seals of approval. Uh, but yeah. even so, if 100 other people are telling me not to do that, just the two Brunos telling me to do that isn't going to make me do that until maybe an Eric Lang says it as well, right? <laughs> You gotta so get Eric jumps in the conversation. Yeah, no, no, and it's not just because it's Eric. It's just because it's uh -huh. you know. Uh -huh. So some 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 feedback you're gonna weigh differently. Like Daryl said, if Daryl uh, like if I play a trick taking game, it's not a trick taking. Daryl likes trick taking games. I a love tech builder with Daryl. I'm not gonna take his feedback at the same weight. At, well, I'll take his feedback, but with that caveat that Daryl I know does not like deck builders, and I've just I've just forced him into 45 minutes of hell basically by making him play this game. Although the other thing about that is if Daryl says, wow, I really like that, or that was really interesting, then I'll take that with even heavier weight because yeah. he's, he normally doesn't like these types of games and he's saying he likes it. There must be something in that particular thing that he liked. And then I dig at that and say, what was that? What one yeah. thing did you like? Because mm -hmm. again, I think a lot of, well, the Bamboozle Brothers school of thought is find that fun thing and then make that thing the only thing the game is about taking everything else out that doesn't make that fun thing happen more. Um, and I think, was it, uh, I can't remember who posted it the other day, but within the metrics that we're talking about now is awesomeness per second, APS. How much nice. awesomeness yeah. per second do you have in the game? And anything that detracts from the awesomeness per second or takes away from you being able to add more awesomeness per second is something you should probably not add. Tiff, you had a point? Well, it was kind of uh, just to follow up on on the conversation of the the feedback. So a lot of I think we say this a lot is that don't take every piece of feedback that you get from playtesters as gold. Like it's not it's not yeah. It, regardless of who's telling it to you, if it's your favorite designer in the world, if it's the first time you've heard that feedback, don't tear apart your game based on that one piece of feedback. Regardless of who it is, you want to play test and see who it is. Because like I've played games before where I play it once because I have you know only that amount of time and I'm only ever going to see it once, and I give the feedback on how I felt in the game in that moment. But there's so many conditions that could change how I feel. Maybe I 
just played a game like 20 minutes prior that reminds me or that is like really similar and I like that one more. So I'm going to give you slightly more negative feedback potentially. And it's not intentional. It's just that my mind is currently back on that game and I can't help but compare. Or maybe maybe I haven't played a deck builder in a really long time and I like deck builders and you've got a deck builder. And I'm like, yeah! Like, you know, like you have to weigh stuff not only in what the playtesters are telling you, but you also have to realize like they might be in a mental state or they may be thinking about something else so they might have outside influences on their feedback for this given moment and if they play this game again like three days from now and give you the same feedback okay maybe look into it but it's more important if you get the same feedback from other people other sources so anyway we have another question not a computer's got some great ones yeah um daryl had a hot pursuit or oh daryl had a hot pursuit go, daryl's go, frozen go. daryl's frozen that's awkward yeah um Okay, okay, well, so, uh, yeah, well, the answer not a computer's question then. <laughs> not a computer asks, what about blind, ooh, what about blind playtest groups? Uh, what are the, some of the ways to find these types? Does this happen at these types of events as well? As well? We should really honestly just play, pay not a computer to come on and ask us questions. Nice. Yeah, they're great Those questions. Awesome questions. Yeah. Well, they're just my questions. Can I, can I jump in on this for a sec? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, so kind of tie that in. So um, blind testing and just in general, as we were already talking about, like listening to people, but I think part of you as a designer, remind yourself you are the designer. So when you're hearing feedback, you're not necessarily listening for the solution. You get to come up with a solution. So the importance of blind testing is gathering trends, gathering feedback, but then discerning through that where you want to go. So for instance, if someone suggests... Um, solutions, gather multiple solutions, and then see which solution you want to do. Mm -hmm. I think early on as an early designer, one of my problems was because I respect respected, especially certain designers that were giving me feedback, I then followed whatever advice they gave. And the problem with that is you start making games that they would make, not games that you would make. Mm -hmm. So remember, there's, an, there's a reason to sometimes not even listen to suggestions and try to make something completely different you know at the same time there are some general if you start seeing trends like people not having fun or frustrated <laughs> or interacting with certain things that you're not getting the response you want then that should tell you there's a problem there that you need to solve yeah so i think that's a good point so go into your play test with a vision you have a design vision that you should always be true to because um, it's your game. And Daryl's exactly right. If you listen to and react to feedback without analyzing the trends, without looking to see, you know, who is it giving it to me and why are they telling me that? Or how much of that feedback am I getting? You're just going to be running around like a chicken with your head cut off, making changes all the time. So it's a, re it's a, Jesse was, Jesse and I were talking about this the other day. It's a reflective process. So feedback should not be reactive. It should be reflective you should be really thinking about what the feedback is, who gave it, why they gave it, when they gave it, and if it actually is meaningful to you. Also know who you are as a designer. Are you the type of designer that likes to, um, that will allow people, allow is a funny word, uh, to give them feedback that is a solution? Or are you the type of designer that just wants the problem pointed out? Because those are two totally separate pieces of information and two totally different types of people and also two totally di different types of feedback that you're going to get. 
So are you the type of person who just wants to say, yeah, that card is, you know, poorly worded? Or are you the type of person who says, uh, who wants the feedback that goes, that card's poorly worded, here's how I would reword it. Uh, I think Daryl and I also suffer, not suffer, but are, are blessed in a lot of ways by being able to play with a good group of designers most of the time. We do most of our playtesting with designers. So um, we are more apt to actually take them at face value and allow them to make solutions because we know that their solutions would probably be decent ones, even if they weren't, even if they aren't taking us in the direction we originally wanted to go. And so we're much more open to the emergent process of design where the, the game kind of becomes what it wants to be. Uh, so that, that's sort of a different angle of things. Um, oh, Daryl just answered the question that Odd just asked. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, Odd, you're right. It is it is definitely different when you play with non-designers. Um, yeah. With non-designers, you're going to get a little different quality of feedback. It's not worse. It's not better. It's just different. Well, and it, it, it serves a different purpose. I think it's really important. And and for me, even like Snakes and Lattes for, is, is borderline kind of this halfway ground of kind of like a public test slash like, like a like test with... Yeah, it's, it's kind of got that unpub feel. So when I'm there, I'm... A, I'm expecting that kind of feedback. If I'm doing like, for instance, what JR was talking about at your home with, you know, a hand-picked group of people, you're you're a little more in this kind of like discussion where everyone is uh, on track to develop the game and you're, you know, you're all trying to solve the problem instead yeah. of like Sen was saying, you know, that public example, people might not even be able to express or even have the, you know, the know-how because they're not designers. But they are still expressing, you know, where they had fun or what they think. Or they might offer solutions, but they're off. But at least you can hear behind that, that, you know, the public reaction. Right. And I and think it's really important. Even if the solution is off, the, yeah. the reason why they're offering the solution is probably valid. Yes. It is valid for them, right? They had a Absolutely. poor time because of this, and here's how they would fix it. The fix may not be what you want. And this this is probably why a lot of designers who do a lot of public playtesting say, you know, don't give me solutions. It's because yeah. then they'd have to filter through a hundred different solutions that they know most likely won't work. Yeah. To get to the one that does. Whereas if you, you just point out the areas that you find problematic, then I'll go for the <laughs> one that, you know, a hundred percent of people think is problematic. I'll start fixing that one. So yeah. hot spots, right? Um, blind testing. Okay, so blind testing. Um, if you have blind play, te blind play testing, um, you are a lucky, lucky person. If you have people who will play your game blindly, that is the, a great situation. So remember when you're play testing, you're actually testing two things. You're testing the mechanics of how the game actually plays, but you're also testing the rules. And if I'm there in person teaching you the rules and can answer questions, I'm not testing my written words. And because, as we normally say in the business, I don't come in every box, um, we need to have our written rules down to the way that it communicates the idea quickly, succinctly, powerfully, and most of all, correctly. Uh, and I think that's what blind play testing is actually really all about is, are they playing the way I would expect them to based on the rules that I wrote? And getting a group to do that is hard because it's an effort. They have to learn a game all by themselves. It's funny, though, because they all do that for games that they're buying. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of them. Yeah. Some of them. I have, I have some 
people, well, and I'm kind of becoming this with my friend John, but uh, there, I've definitely had game groups where they're like, why, like, we would want to play a game and they much prefer that I just teach it to them. So they, yeah. even if it's their game, like, they won't play it necessarily unless I, I can prefer teach you it. teaching me games. So, yeah, so they'll buy it them. and then let Tiffany teach. That's, that's probably, that's why we started doing the streams partially because. Yeah. Yeah, but um, Rodney's doing it right. Like the watch it play. That's what it's all about. Well, and there's McAllen. Like there's there's definitely a market for it where people don't necessarily want to like have to read and process the rules because I mean I get it. There's a lot of rule books that are basically landmines, right? There's no yeah. because yeah. some of it's because they're poorly written or translated poorly. But that's mm -hmm. a whole other show. That's yeah. yeah. Can we just do a show about rule book translation? We did. We did already. But we'll do oh. another one because it's a real. We we have a couple people. Maybe, maybe you missed that episode. Maybe. Well, I wasn't on it, so that would be why. Wait, <laughs> yeah. no, you were. I was with Rodney and Lance. No translation. Oh, oh just on translation. Just translation, not on yeah, rule books. Like, we can do that. As well. We can we can do that. I think that's a yeah. whole other thing. We do know some good translators. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, translation's a whole other like hornet's yeah. nest. And well, I mean, yeah, like like I. Like it looks here. Um, so, you know, Patrick Hillier is saying, you know, no interest in watching videos. Your books need to be good. And I believe that as well. Like I am, I'm a word person. I don't particularly love the videos. I'm a word person as well, which is videos, funny. I make videos. Yeah. And, and people are video people and that's totally cool. Or um, cafes. But, I love going to a cafe and being like, teach me the game. Yeah. That's like the Tiffany, the Tiffany factor, right? And so it'd be great if we could put all of that in a box, but we can't. Uh, it's even hard to put videos in the box. So I mean, QR codes and whatnot, but still a lot of publishers aren't doing that yet. So, you know, words are, are the standard way that we communicate those things. So blind playtesting will, you'll have to playtest that kind of stuff. So do it, designers. Make sure you get your game blind playtested. In fact, if you take it to pitch to a publisher, they will probably ask you, so has it been blind playtested yet? That's important. They don't want to waste their time necessarily doing that if they can't. It's honestly just for your own cred anyways. As a designer, oh, yeah. just play test your game until the point where you're really your iterations are so small, it's just a you know, a, a preference, a taste issue now, not a yeah. gameplay. Because if you get your games to that level, then at least when you're showing a publisher, you can confidently say, you know, here's some positive results that I'm getting. And is it now the question is, is it a good fit for you, not just as a good game? Right. Cool. So I think we're going to wrap now. We've, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good time to wrap. I got to do some marking. Tiff's got to, I don't know, wake up and smell the. I have, to take, I have to take Steve to work. He missed his bus. Oops. So All right. he's, he's downstairs waiting for me to take him to work. And Daryl, what are you up to today? I'm working on uh, getting playtesting ready for tonight because I have oh, right, uh, right, a right. bunch of people coming over tonight Which as well. Game so I'm excited. Uh, I'm playing uh, Roar. Mm -hmm. It oh, is an is... area control game of Africa of competing lion species. Sure. And it uh, is working really well right now. I and hope it continues to work well tonight. Can I be a liger? Can I be a liger in that game? No liger yet. But here's the thing. This is the coolest part. So. Lions, game one. If the game's a success, then we can do Tigers, and, which and is bears. Asia. And then we can do then we can do um Bears. Lep, lep no no leopards because they overlap both maps. 
Oh, in the actual. Um, and then the I can thing. do jaguars yeah. for Central and South America, and those are the only four species that can roar. That's true. Bears don't bears kind of roar? No, they do not roar. There are only call, four species. What do you call the thing that they do? Is it just yelling? Growling. Like growling. Gra oh, it just looks like a okay. It's just a very loud growl. Yeah. <laughs> There is only four types of species in the world that roar. Mm. I thought you were going to do lions, tigers, and bears just because of... I know. I was tempted. I was tempted. But it, it was such a cool moment when we were doing lions and tigers, and then all of a sudden, we're like, hey, these two maps are right next to each other. And then we looked up leopards and jaguars, and we're like, whoa, leopards overlap exactly where lions and tigers are. Yeah, neat. I mean, is it something that you're actually going to actively make them different games? Or oh, yeah. Say, okay. Core mechanic, but overlapping, uh, um, overlapping maps and some new rules for different layers. Yeah, but would, would you not sell it as one big game, or ideally, we'll uh, just sell lions, and then if it does well, then the other aspects could uh, be rolled out as expansions. Okay. All right, cool. Well, here's a screen. Here's a screen. It's a you screen. can you can get a hold of us one of these ways if you'd like. Uh, unfortunately, Sen won't be with us for a few weeks, so Tiffany and I will try to hold down the fort. Uh, we look forward to chatting with Jim Pinto and Jeffrey Engelstein next mm -hmm. week. And uh, if you have any questions or thoughts, send those our way. Also, uh, recommend check out the uh, Dojo videos. I think Sen's up to four. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So check those out. Some really great material in there that you can journey along some new designers and learn with them along the way. Also, if you're in the U.S., vote. Yes. Please vote. Yes, please vote. Please vote. Local right. issues, too. Local issues matter a lot. Like, a lot of people get mm -hmm. heated up about the president. Vote for all, like, the, all the opportunities on that ballot. Like, sure. local issues are a huge deal, and it really annoys me that they don't get a lot of focus in the election season. So go vote and research your local thingies. And also, if you are in line and a polling center closes, they are legally obligated to allow you to vote. Like, don't yes. get out of line. They have to stay open until you vote, and there is legally nothing they can do. So Yeah, there's, there's some phone numbers yeah. you can call and stuff if you have any issues in the lines. I forget them, but I saw them on TV. So I'm sure you can find them. And I will be in San Diego this weekend so if anyone in san diego let me know let's hang out all right later guys bye, bye.